Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and yes, you found it. Welcome to Outside the Sheds. I'm your host, Corey Jackson, as it says in the title of this, the great David Lindsay, letting you know where you're at. Wow. I hate to start off by saying it this way, but your Shed Adamas might have had his week, worst week ever. Uh, even though it was my birthday week, it was not a great picking week. And wow, I think I took that one on the chin. I, I kind of felt like I, I might have fought uh, Zoo last night. But what I'm saying is, that is what makes the NRL so exciting. Is that and, and also why I don't really gamble for a living, uh, Shedheads. But you just don't know. And I think that's what makes the game so beautiful is that we can sit back all week. We can get the lineups. We can get the changes right up to right to the last moment, right before kickoff. And you just can't gauge and really know who's going to come out the backside of that match with the W or not. And I think we found that out again this week. Uh, I did go out on the limb on a couple picks, I thought. But let's go over some of these scores for this coming week to start off the 40-20. Um, starting off on Thursday night, what a match. You know, I I told you guys I was going to be a match to start off the round. That, that grand final rematch, you knew the Penny Panthers were going to be sitting there waiting for their chance knowing that they were coming up towards the end of the grand final and really running down the storm and just, some people say ran out of time. I say you can't say that because the storm just probably played a better match from beginning to end. And and like I said, they gave themselves a little bit of wiggle room towards the end to come out on top. But this match that we watched, and it was huge because Cleary wasn't starting Pappenhausen wasn't playing for the Storm. Cleary wasn't playing for the Panthers. And a lot of people were kind of downplaying it that it might not live up to the expectation of the match that we were hoping for a couple weeks ago. But boy, that wasn't the case, was it? Because the Panthers win it 12-10 with a kickout save at the end of the match preventing a try that looked like it was a for-sure win at the death for the Storm and the heart that was displayed on that, you know, and I, and I have to say that is why regular season-wise, what, they're at 19 matches, 20 matches in a row during the regular season, regular season um, streak right now, win, you know, unbeaten streak that the Panthers are going on. And it's because they lift their play. They just lift their play. And, and... It's tough for teams to really go after that and to keep up with that. And I think you're, we, we've got a few teams, you know. I want to. We want to see them play the Raiders a little bit later on. We want to see them play the Eels a little bit later on. But and I just don't know. This this Panther squad looks tough. Now, let's also keep in mind that this is a, a Melbourne Storm team that didn't have Harry Grant at dummy half. Uh, didn't have Pappenhausen. Um, they were missing some 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 key some key ingredients 
to really have them firing it at, at, at you know on all cylinders. But again, what an incredible match! But the Panthers win that one, 12 to 10. Then the debacle at Brookvale continues as the Dragons trounced the Sea Eagles. Manly, wow. And I again, we talked about this last week. I find it so hard to believe that Manly just can't win a, a game, a match, without without Turbo back, being back there, without Tom Trevojevic, uh in that in that role on that team. Are they really that inferior? And no matter how much of a fan I've been over the years of Kieran Foran, Kieran Foran doesn't run anymore out of the 5'8 position. Uh, and I think there's a lot of weight on DCEs, just on DCE as a whole. Because Daily Cherry Evans really hasn't looked like the player that we've got accustomed watching. He just seems like he's, I, I don't know if it's become too much for him or what. But either way, 38-12 at Fortress Brookvale. You know, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, then the Roosters going down to the Rabbitohs. Ah, wow. You know, I, that match right there, that really looked, that did not look like a Roosters club that I'm used to watching. And I don't know about you guys, but they looked disorganized. They looked undisciplined and that was even before the major injuries to lock to Lockie Lamb and 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 Luke Keery but Jared Warrior Hargraves was out there just headhunting and when Jared plays up to his best and his potential he's one of the, the most dangerous runners of the ball and physical forces in the game but he was just out of control and a lot of people say this also comes back to the team getting the code red to go after Jairo after the hit, you know, during Origins uh, on on Tedesco. But even if that's the case, the the undiscipline that they showed, it was so not Sydney. It was so not. It's it just wasn't Rooster's ball, and we have not. We have not been comfortable seeing that. That is not something we've seen under the watch of of Robbo. Uh, Trent Robinson runs a tight ship. His players play hard for him, but they play disciplined for him. And that was not the case during that match. So that one really, really shocked me. Uh, even though they scored to make it look a little bit better on paper, but the Rabbitohs were on top. And saying it on the other side, looking on the other side of the fence there, wow. Luttrell and Dylan Walker. We're only three rounds into this. If these guys stay healthy, what are these guys going to be like during round 9, 10, 11, when about the midway point of the season? Those The bunnies look dangerous. And they look, yeah, they're not unbeaten right now. But come later in the season, if they stay healthy, and I think what we're finding out by this round especially with you know the injuries that, that that occurred, that's what this game is going to all be about, is who's going to make it to the final round, to the finals, the healthiest. Then we had, you know, after watching the match on Thursday, did we really think we were going to get another incredible match? But then the Warriors and the Raiders 
what a, you know, RTS, Roger Tuvasashek, what, I'm already getting a, 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 a towel, a handkerchief, a Kleenex, whatever you want to use to wipe away the tears, that we've only got 24 to 27 more rounds left to this guy in the NRL before he leaves to go to uh, Rugby Union and to go and to, to play and try to get onto the All Blacks squad. But what a comeback by the Warriors, the largest comeback in Warriors history. But they come over the top of a very depleted, with only one man on the bench, Raiders club, and they win it 34-31 down in Canberra, which does not happen easily. The Viking clap can unsettle people. Then uh, we we got to experience Kevy's verse victory as the Broncos, wow, beat the Barkless Dogs, the Bulldogs, the boys from Belmore, 24-0. And that was a match that, you know, I don't I don't know if we really thought the Dogs were going to win that. You know, I, I, I picked the Broncos to win that match. But the non-biting attack for the Canterbury Club is something that I... I worry about. Um, I know that this coming week, um, Abarillo is out, so we're going to finally get to see Lockie Lewis back in in the halves, and he's going to partner with Flanagan. And I've always been a supporter of Lockie Lewis. I think that um, I think that he is a a really good player. I think he's got a winner characteristic, and he's been playing for the Mounties uh, this year. This will be his first call up for Canterbury, but. The dogs need something because they've got no bite on on attack, and who knows? Maybe maybe Lachlan Lewis will be the kickstart, but boy, his first match of who he's going to have to go up against is not going to be pretty. So the Broncos win that one. Congratulations to Kevy Walters there, twenty four nothing. Then another match of injuries after injuries after injuries. Wade Graham going down for the captain, but the Eels beat the Sharks twenty eight to four, and yes. They ran over the top of them the last 10 minutes and just really put them to the sword. But that Sharks club, the heart they showed being without any substitutes uh, and and just trying to hold on. And that they kind of kept the score to where it was, even though I know in the end the Eels kind of blew it out late. But, wow. I guess you could look at two sides of that because the Eels and Gutho look again like this could be their year there's a few clubs that are right now looking going and feeling this could be their year but 28 to 4 over a Sharks club that usually is very very tough to beat that's a very physical club uh, shows you where the Eels are at Uh, and it also draws a big question of how you know if this is going to be a lasting layover of you know event now because if you look at it, the Sharks now have to play the Cowboys. And this is an injured Cowboys club coming out in round four. Um, we don't know by the time kickoff happens of that if 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 Michael Morgan is actually going to be medically uh, retired by the club because of, again, that shoulder just not healing properly and, and him maybe coming down with another ailment or injury in that shoulder. But, you know, I... If I was the Cowboys, I would say this is the match you better win because you're going to face a Sharks club, even though it's on the road for the, for the Cowboys. The Cows are going to Jubilee, but 
you know, you might you might want to attack the Sharks now because when they when they get healthy later on in the year, it might not be as easy. But um, yeah, really really tough one to watch there as the Sharks just they just gave out in the end. They just didn't have the legs. But a good victory for the Eels, twenty eight to four. Then a, a match that I did not pick: Mitchell Pierce's three hundredth game, Knights and the Tigers, up in Newcastle, and the Knights started well. They played well, and then they didn't. They couldn't catch a ball to save their lives. I don't know if I've seen a Newcastle team have that amount of errors, and in the end, it ended up costing them because they were the hottest club coming down the stretch in that match against the Tigers. And the Tigers played a, a, a good match. I'm saying Luke Brooks played up to, I guess you could say, his potential. I wouldn't say that he went above and beyond what he could do. He had a, a, a good kick. Um, for for a for a try, but again, I don't think just because they held on late and win twenty four to twenty over the Knights up up in Newcastle. If you're a Tigers fan, yes, you're excited that the Tigers won, but truthfully, do you really feel that you would have won if Newcastle wouldn't have kept giving the ball back to them over really silly and bad errors? And you know. <laughs> I guess, I guess, like they say, time will tell a lot, and we won't have to wait long because that Easter Monday showdown against the Eels for the Tigers this week is going to show really truthfully what type of a club they are and where they're really at. But the Tigers win. They spoil uh, Mitchell Pierce's 300th game, 24-20. And then, wow, I, I feel even bad talking about this match because it was really as bad as it sounds. And that is the Titans. They go up to Townsville, a, a packed house at Townsville. And, and, and if you talk to a lot of players in the NRL, they will tell you one of the toughest places to get a victory on the road is in Townsville against the Cows. And even though it was a battle for Queensland, one, you know, with, with, with Gold Coast Titans coming up there, you really just were expecting something more out of the North Queensland Cowboys. But the Cows, they're in trouble. And I hate to say this because I told you uh, when he got the job, I told you to start the season how how much I like Todd Payton as a coach and what he did for the Warriors last year by making them and helping them stay so competitive, pushing all the right buttons. And everyone said that after Paul Green left the Cows, that they just had an identity crisis. That the, the, that the team just couldn't find who they were, what they wanted to do, how they wanted to do it, how they saw themselves, blah, 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 right? And that's why I thought, and a lot of people thought, that the hiring of Todd Payton would be such a great thing because of what he was going to bring, that 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 energy in the locker room, that belief, getting those guys to buy in. And the Titans took them behind the woodshed, dismantled them, stole their pieces, and then walked out of there, leaving them naked because they beat them 44-8. to And it wasn't even that close. And that is just, you know, if you've watched the last two weeks in the sheds after those losses... I can't even describe to you what what that really means. It it is it's pretty incredible that 
that they just played that way. I just I just would have never thought that the Cowboys would would seem so lackluster um, in these in this time period with with his club. So a lot of a lot of questions to be asked up there, and for how important Michael McGuire uh, has been um, for that club, if he has to retire. If he has to really step down and 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 take that medical retirement, it's going to be sad. But I'm really curious to see what direction. And now there's rumblings that Jake Clifford is trying to get out of his contract deal with the Newcastle Knights for next season because he sees a possibility in an opening to stay with North Queensland and possibly have more more playing time. So it's just. It's scary, it's sad, it's a lot of things, especially if you're a Cows fan, that four weeks into the season, three weeks into the season, the disarray that it feels that's surrounding this club, it's just, uh, mm, it's really, really sad. But I want to go over some talking points out of that week, too. Again, I, I hinted on the two incredible finishes. I don't know if you've had a chance to see them. If you get a chance, watch some of these highlights. Watch... The, the Storm Panthers highlights and watch the Warriors Raiders highlights. And you only have to watch probably the last 30 seconds of the highlights because the saving try that Roger Tuvasacek does, knocking the ball out of the hands of a for sure, for sure put down and try that's coming. And the way that he flies across the field and, and just leaves his body... You know, no regard for for the damage he could take to save his club for that victory. It was one of the most incredible endings to a match that I've seen, especially when it comes to the fact of a of a saving of a try. But you know, and the kickout save was incredible too for the for the Panthers over the Storm, because if you watch that play, kickout is halfway across the field, and he's gassed, he's dead. But finding that extra gear to get back into position, to make the tackle, to wrap up the ball, it was, like I said, these two saves, you don't usually find those within a six-week period of time, but to happen in the same round, uh, incredible football. And again, it just makes you so sad that the game is losing a player like RTS to Rugby Union. But again, he's he's a New Zealand boy, so he wants to go back and... Like most Kiwis, the dream has always been to put on that All Blacks jersey. Uh, Sonny Bill Williams will tell you about that. Uh, Benji Marshall. Um, there was a lot of talk that that's why he left the Tigers and tried to play for the Auckland Blues because he really wanted to try to see if he could get that fly half position for the All Blacks to say that he was an All Black. Um, and, and, and the crazy thing about it is Benji grew up playing rugby league. I'm saying league has been his life. And to say that he just wanted to leave the game to try Union uh, shows you that draw that Kiwis have to put on that all-black jersey. Ben Hunt going to the Dragons. Maybe to me, the surprise team right now, especially after the preseason round one, to a two-game winning streak now for the Dragons. And you have to say they've got to feel pretty confident going into this coming this coming round uh, this weekend, Easter weekend, but but 
a big blow was handed to him though with Ben Hunt with a a fracture, a leg break, and still we don't know if he's going to have to have surgery. And that is going to be a determining factor if he's going to be gone four to six weeks or eight to 10 to 12 weeks because of that broken leg. Uh, but he says, and he played a lot of the game with that injury. That's That's crazy to think about. And they asked him out of a scale of one to 10 what his pain level was, playing that game and you know usually after something happens and you have a little bit of time to think about it usually you know maybe the pain isn't as great because you know like I said time helps heal a lot of things but Ben Hunt even still says now that the pain was an 8 out of 10 that he played with and he still played at a pretty high level Um, it just again shows you the warrior status of these these players uh, what they'll put their bodies through how they'll do it. Uh, you know, and I know this isn't even talking about that, but a perfect example of that is after the Broncos won for, for Kevy, Xavier Coates is giving an interview after the match, and he is miss. I'm saying his face is cut. He's He's got a gigantic gash in the side of his face, and he's it's affecting his talking. That's how deep of a cut this is on his face. And he's just doing the interview, talking about how excited he is, you know. There, people would be passed out for one for that seeing that type of an injury, laying on the ground asking for medical attention or an ambulance, or not. Let me tell you what they wouldn't be doing: finishing a match and doing an interview right afterwards. So, um, again, these guys are warriors, and I don't confuse when I say warriors that they're soldiers and these are athletes. These guys are warriors because they put their bodies on the line without pads week in and week out. Um, and play through the type of injuries that we just saw and got to experience this week. Speaking on the injury front, I told you earlier that so many, so many players got injured this week. Over 20 major players got injured this round. And let's go over just a couple of them just off the top of my head. We now have Luke Curie, who is gone for the rest of the season. The Roosters have changed their entire attacking structure allowing Luke Curie to play even though he was you know he was set up on the right side of the field they gave him the keys to run the car meaning he can he can switch to the left side come all the way over to the right side but the field is his they changed their attacking philosophy to give him more pull and more say also that was going to help out Lockie Lamb but those two names being said now both of them go down in the same game Lockie Lamb with an MCL injury that they're saying probably is going to take him out four to six. And Luke Curie, excuse me, Luke Curie now being gone for the season. And the sad part about it was it was a non-contact. I'm saying Luke Curie's running down the field and he plants to make a move and he it looks like a sniper rifle gets him. Sniper gets him. He just goes right down. And he in the way that he grabs his leg, I think a lot of people thought that, including myself, thought it was a hamstring injury. And that he was grabbing for his hamstring. Um, and then those hands went down to the knee. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. And then watching him try to leave the field, you knew. You knew instantly going in what, what was going on. But um, so that's that's sad. you know. And, and, and it really changes the philosophy of what Robbo's going to do for the Roosters. Does Robbo now go out and, you know, we already know that Sam Walker is going to see the field for the first time. He's going to do something which I I thought he was going to do anyway 
they've had to move Joseph Manu to the halves. And we know what Manu can do. I'm saying Manu's brilliant. But the last thing we thought was that Joseph Manu was going to have to play either, you know, halfback or 5-8. Sam Walker, though. You've got a guy that people have been trying to blood in for the last two seasons, um, waiting for his age to, requirements to, to be made. And just finding that right time to spring him. Well, that time is now because Sam Walker is going to be in the halves. And then there's a big, there's a big rumbling that's happening, a little rumor. And there's smoke. I haven't seen the flames yet, but there's smoke that the Roosters may try to go and speak a little French. And we know how much Trent Robinson, how Robbo still has so much of a pull in France uh, with their rugby league. But there's talk that Robbo might try to go and get Jimmy Maloney from the Catlins Dragons to bring him back in the halves. And don't forget, Jimmy Maloney was your 5'8 in 2013 when the Roosters won the grand final. Jimmy Maloney, even though they say he might be the guy that wears you down a little bit, the guy that might make you want to pull your hair out after being around him for too long, I love the guy personally. But Jimmy Maloney is one of the best rugby league players that I've seen for his for his size and for what people would say what his true ability is. Jimmy Maloney is a winner. Period. I'm saying it is not even it's not even up for debate what that guy can do. And if the Roosters can somehow pull this off to get Maloney back over here and maybe have Walker and Maloney run your halves combination, I think the Roosters are right back in the title hunt again. And I know how great Luke Keery is, but that is also how much I think of James Maloney. And Jimmy Maloney will find a way to fit right back in there like he never left the club. So some real big rumblings out of that and a lot of that injury. But then we had Mitchell Moses going down and... The sad part about the Mitchell Moses thing is that the, t- the game wasn't stopped. The Cronulla players were actually holding Mitchell Moses up after he took a shot because he just came in awkward on a tackle going low. The guy came up like like the chicken from the uh, Foghorn Leghorn with the, when, when he hears a bell, like he was coming out to fight the 10th round. And the Cronulla players all had to grab him because he about fell back over again. Um... But they didn't whisk him off the field right after that. They had to stop it a little bit later on. But to me, that's the thing. You know, when you see a guy, and the bunker's watching everything, right? The bunker's watching the play. It's watching game live, blah, blah, blah. The the bunker doesn't instantly buzz down to stop play to get Mitchell Moses off the field. I think we're missing it. And I know we're all talking about mismatches and all that type of stuff and and that you shouldn't be able to hold that against. No, the thing that we should care about is the player's safety. And that is, to me, the most important thing. And that there was a hesitation there, even though they got him off still pretty quick, but not as quick as needed to be happening, period, for any of these guys that go down with an injury like that. You know, the, the NRL keeps talking about the, the care of the head, that there we just can't do anything that comes close to the head, any type of head injury. So, Mitchell Moses going down, you know, Wade Graham going down, Bubba going down for the Sharks, uh, the Raiders losing everybody but 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 Todd Starling on the bench. Bench. Uh, it, it's just, 
it's insane. And and now the big talk is if there's going to be an 18th player added to the bench or to the team that would enable them to have another player so that situation doesn't happen um, that the Sharks and the, and the Raiders had to go through. And I have no problem with that. I think if you're going to pick the game up speed-wise like everyone's talking about and like we've watched, and I think all of us can admit we've loved the brand of footy that we've been watching in the NRL. But the thing is, player safety is to me the most important thing. And I know that some of these some of these pundits and some of these people and even some of the coaches are worried that there are certain clubs that are going to try to take advantage of the rule. But my thing is this, if it's, if it's for an HIA situation and it's a third-party doctor that rules a person out and not an actual team doctor, but a third-party doctor, I don't know how we're saying that this wouldn't be a good idea just to make sure guys are staying safe. But that is that is those numbers are way too high. Now, it could be a fluke occurrence. It's something we're going to have to monitor, something we're going to have to watch. But 20 guys, 20 big guys, as they would say in the mob, 20 made guys, 20 made guys going down like that. Uh, it was a brutal, brutal week. Um, and so we'll just have to watch. And I'm very curious to see how the Roosters manage their halves because the Roosters are going up against a rumbling, and not let me say that again, a rumbling Warriors club at the Sydney Cricket Ground this, uh, on, on Easter Sunday. Uh, and I'm just going to tell you something right now. They better be able to protect Walker, um, but they better also be able to let their bigs be able to match the force of what they're getting ready to go up against with the Warriors. Mitchell Pierce. I want to go back and talk about Mitchell Pierce because Mitchell Pierce to me uh, is one of those good ones. He's a heck of a player. Uh, I know that he's had some off-field indiscretions that nobody really is too proud of, let alone Mitch, because Mitchell was the one that, that did them and that he had to experience it. But on the field, even though some people have given him stick, about maybe his win-loss record in origin and 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 that type of thing. Mitchell Pierce is probably, I would say, one of the best halfbacks we've had in the competition. I'm saying he started with the Roosters when he, you know, right when he turned 18, um, you know, 17, 18. He was right around there, uh, late 17s, early 18. Who cares? He was young, okay. But if you watch him, the game was never too much for him. It was never too fast for him. And, you know, just a couple years later now, he's he's he gets the Roosters, you know, with Brayton Asson, him in the halves. Um, and then, you know, Todd Carney coming in the halves. Just a, a really, it looked like the Roosters were set up for a while. And then, the you know, the, the Carney situation happened. And, you know, it's not like the Roosters lost too much of a heartbeat because, you know, they, they win the grand final three years later. But Mitchell Pierce is just a really, really good player. And he really did not deserve the performance that his club gave them against the Tigers at home. Um, and I and it really bummed me out seeing that. Uh, I was happy to see the Tigers get their first victory. But I was more thinking the entire time, whew, Thank gosh the Knights really didn't want to win that match because some of the things they tried and some of the things they did and the horrible, horrible ball control uh, to me told me everything there. But again, win or lose, uh, the most important thing is that Mitchell Pierce made it to 300 games. And congratulations to him on a career that I think is a really good one. I know people think that it could be a, a hell of a lot better. 
with a, with a few other match victories. And then I'm going to finish off my NRL for this last round talking about Kevy Walters and, and the performance that those Broncos put on at home. Boy, you know, as right as we're getting word that, that Queensland might be getting closer to another lockdown because of COVID, the Broncos at least gave the Brisbane fans something to, to really cheer about, to be proud of, and happy about. Because that victory was something special. And not being a Broncos fan, but just being a fan of league, um, I was so excited to see Kevy's joy and that team's joy. Because, you know, for a club that's as proud and is so important to the NRL as the Brisbane Broncos, it is it pains everyone to see them going through what they went through last season and, and how this season has started. But uh, that is over, and they win, and this next round really sets up well for them. So who knows? Maybe we're getting ready to see a big streak come for the Brisbane Broncos. But uh, that is where I'm going to conclude last week's play. Let's go forward. Let's do a little talking. Let's move it a little bit. I do want to say that the, the, the Super League started up this last week, too. Um, as usual, the pretty much the big heavies uh, won. I, I saw that Wigan won. Even though talking about Wigan for a second, something that I that your Shed Adamas had talked about that I thought the West Tigers should do and go and get Jackson Hastings over there and to put him in the halves position, even though I know Luke Brooks is there right now, who knows for how much longer for some of the, the, the buzzing that's going around about maybe Todd Payton coming to get him, especially now that McGuire is down. Um, but I'm going to tell you something right now. If the Tigers can get Jackson Hastings, major coup for them, uh, major push forward. But we're talking about Super League, and that to me is also a sad point because the Super League is really, I don't want to say it's based on having, you know, Aussie and, and, and Southern Hemisphere players, you know, Kiwis, Island guys, but the last thing they were thinking going into the season, the Wigan Warriors, was that they were going to have to replace Jackson Hastings before the season even started, really, truthfully. And right now, it's looking like we don't know. I think we we know for sure the Tigers would have to pay for the transfer bonus uh, if that move was to be made. And I don't think, really, truthfully, uh, Madge and Pascal really want to do that. But I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It, it's going to be hard to see what's going on there. and But the one thing we can say is that Wiggins still looks looks very, very powerful. Um, and I just noticed something. I am so sorry, Shedheads. I've been saying Michael, Michael McGuire. It's Michael Morgan. So all my, all my Cows fans, you know I'm talking about Michael Morgan when I'm talking about that. And um, anyway, sorry about that, Mr. Morgan. But the thing about this is the Super League looks very, very strong. It was good to see G.I. back in a jersey um, for the Wolves. But the Super League is going well. And I think that, the, again, St. Helens, Wigan, those are your two powerhouses over there. And I, I think if they take James Maloney from Catlins, I think that's going to be a major, a major step back. But I think the Dragons are going to be right there in the end, too. I think the Dragons have a real shot to make the top four for the Super League. 
uh, and they won a, a, a nail-biter 29-28 over the Hall Kingston Rovers over there. But um, So that that's kind of nice. It's good to see now we've got the engine turned on on both major locomotive trains. NRL flowing four weeks in, Super League flowing way on weekend. Let's get it and let's keep it going. Now, I want to put a little asterisk right here talking about it. We have not been talking about a lot of AFL. And one of the reasons we haven't been talking about a lot of AFL is because we don't have any AFL coverage over here in America right now. Um, I told you last week that there's big negotiations going on still between Fox and between the AFL. And, and I'm wondering if this has something to do with you know, that all the Fox channels over here in America are getting ready to switch over to Bally Sports. So I don't know if because they might have backed a guy that didn't win the presidency in America um, and lawsuits might be taking money out of their pocket. I really don't know what's going on with Fox right now. I just know it looks like there's a major shuffling that's going on, uh, and that's at least here in America. Um, but it, what it does do, it keeps us from watching our AFL footy. Now, we all know that we can go out and subscribe to a few different services to get the AFL, but I think as pundits, as people that really are trying to embrace this game, that they're trying to get us to go international and let's watch it all around the world, this is a step back for them. And I know a lot of people are not going to go out and pay 180 bucks for a game they fully don't know yet to watch matches where they need to still be coached up and taught as they're going along. So again... Our love for the AFL has not changed. Our love for Aussie Rules football has not changed. It's just that we don't have the platform right now to do the type of discussions we need to do for it. And yes, I'm still keeping up. And guess what? Your Shedadamas is right because the top two clubs are Port Adelaide at one, Richmond at two. And I said, I think that's going to be who's going to play in the grand final. And you can mark it. I said that uh, two to three weeks ago. But that being said, I would love to cover them more. Hopefully they're going to get this done the next week or two and we can get back into full coverage of the AFL again. Let's go on to the matches coming up this week in the NRL. Uh, do some picks. See if we can turn around that that 3-8 and eight week that we had. Woo! Let's not say that anymore. Your shut it down but doesn't like talking about that. We, we don't like talking about that. But anyway, let's, let's go into this because we've got a huge Easter weekend, folks. I hope you know this isn't just about Easter egg hunts and Reese's eggs. This is also about some incredible footy that we've got right now. But also don't forget what the real true importance of Easter is. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But the matches start tonight. Boy, this is painful because we've watched the three last week Thursdays or Friday matches, wherever you're at. But those three matches we've got to see. Uh, wow. They've been incredible matches. And Thursday has really kicked off the entire week to come um, for the round. I don't know if we're going to get that this week. Because we have, yes, I'm going to say this, the Penny Panthers going to Fortress Brookvale to play the Sea Eagles. It looks like Cleary is back. So again, this is another thing that I think is going to really hurt the Sea Eagles. Because I just don't see Manly being able to put up much of a fight for the Penrith Panthers. Now, if you talk to a real gambling pundit, somebody who just doesn't pick games but looks at spreads and all that type of stuff, they would say this is the time to bet for Manly because it looks like they have no chance to win the match and Penrith looks like they are just the unstoppable team that's coming through, the tsunami coming out of the ocean. 
And a lot of people say that's when you bet the other way. But I'm going Panthers in this one. Um, I No matter what I think about, Desi's back, back again. I still can't, I still can't take Desi in this one. Uh, so Panthers, I have winning that match on Thursday. Friday, we've got, I told you, Lockie Lewis is back on the Bulldogs squad. But wow, what a way for him to get blooded in for this season. He's got to go up against a on-fire South Sydney Rabbitohs club. Yep. Lockie, welcome back to the league. And I don't have to go long into this one. Bunnies, bunnies, bunnies are my pick. Then we've got a match that I'm... We've got the Broncos going down to Melbourne. Thank you to the Prime Ministers and and for all the, 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 the political powers that be to allow the Broncos to fly on a charter down to Melbourne, especially with the situations we've got with possibly another COVID outbreak up in Queensland. But uh, Broncos at Storm. And you know what? Your shed Adamus is really going to go the opposite direction on this. I'm taking the Broncos. I'm taking Kevy's boys to go two in a row. I, I'm taking the Bronx. Then Saturday, we've got the Cowboys. Here's what's changed. Because of the big switch, because of the the border problems that we're having because of COVID, we're going to, with a doubleheader on Saturday. And both of the matches are going to be at Jubilee Stadium. So we, we're, we start off with the Cowboys at the Sharks, and we finish that with the Raiders at the Titans. But both matches have been changed time-wise, but are both going to be at Jubilee. Um, so, that being said, Cowboys at Sharks, Sharkies, up, up, Cronulla, not even close. And then Raiders at Titans. You've got a Ricky Stewart club, you got a sticky club that, that, that really needs a victory. And you got a Titans club that feels really good about themselves after being the Kings of Queensland. I'm going Titans. I'm going Titans. I told you I was on that on that on that uh, Titans bandwagon, and I'm not jumping off it. I'm not jumping off it. Matter of fact, I just bought a Coke and a bag of peanuts because I'm going to be sitting here for a while because we've got a long trip ahead of us on this train ride. But I got the Titans on that. Sunday. We've got the Dragons at the Knights and the Warriors at the Roosters. You got Mitchell Pierce and the the Knights who are coming off of that really upsetting loss they had when they probably had everything right at their fingertips to win against a Dragons club that looked like they just won the lottery in the locker room. But I'm going with the Dragons. Now, Jack Bird is not playing because of his stomping situation, his clogging situation from last weekend. And it looks like it's only going to be a one-week ban that he's out. But I'm still taking the Dragons to beat the Knights. Uh, you have to remember this is going to be a big grudge match because Tyson Brazell is now with the Knights. And you know the Dragons want to show him something. But I've got the Dragons winning that one. And then the Warriors and the Roosters. Uh, normally, I would say that I would probably take the Roosters. But then we go like this. We've got probably the last time that RTS will be in Sydney playing his old club. And we've got a new halves pairing combination. I told you that that uh, Jimmy Maloney may be coming back to the Roosters. Who knows? But guess who's not going to be playing for the Roosters this week? Jimmy Maloney. And it'll be Sam Walker and Joseph Manu. And I just see the Warriors winning this match. 
I really do. I just, I really think that the New Zealand Warriors, or if you want to call them the 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 the, the Central Coast Warriors, I think they're just they are ready to kick it up. And yeah, I, I've got the Warriors. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat around the bush. I think that a, an injured, broken down uh, rooster side is gonna need a couple weeks to get that has pairing set up right. But I've got uh, the Warriors. I've got the Warriors. And then the match to end the round, the Easter Monday match, a match that I've been to, the Eels at the Tigers. Yeah, I know, Tigers fans. I know that a lot of you are saying, you know, we've got, you know, we just needed to get that first one. We just needed to get that first one. Well, you got the first one, but I don't think you're getting the second one right away because I just don't see Gutho and the Eels uh, really taking a step back in that match. So I've got the Eels beating the Tigers. So that is our round pickups and who I've got this week again. Let's go over it again. I've got the Panthers over the Seagulls. I've got the Rabbitohs over the Bulldogs. I've got the Broncos over the Storm. I've got the Sharks over the Cowboys. The Titans over the Raiders. Dragons over the Knights. Warriors over the Roosters. And Eels over the Tigers. So, those are my picks. That's what I'm going. We can't almost get any worse than we did last week. But that's okay. Everybody, hey, nobody's a 100% player. Nobody. And that's what happened to your Shed Adamas this week. We're going to rebound. We're going to have an incredible week with this. So, I'm not worried about that at all. So, let's go into the guns. I know it. I know. Hold on. Let's do it. Let's go into the guns. So, I think you already know who my number one gun for the week is. Uh, I've been talking about him nonstop for his performance that he made. I've been telling you how I've been very, very upset to think that I've only got another 24, 25 more rounds left with the guy in in the NRL. But my number one star for this week was RTS, Roger Tuvasashek. One try, 253 running meters, two line breaks, 10 tackle breaks, and then like I said, can all of that just be said without talking about that gigantic save at the end? Uh, Jordan Rapana does not get stopped often. And that RTS dives across, hits his wrist, aiming for the hand that the ball is in. Hit his, hits his wrist, makes him lose control. Brilliant. Brilliant. So RTS, Roger Tuvasashek, is my number one gun. My number two gun, again, talked about him a little bit earlier as well. I'm going with the big man, the big man out of Queensland, Xavier Coates. Two tries, 229 running meters, one line break, three tackle breaks, and nine tackles made. Xavier Coates, I'm going to say something. You might want to get that. Let's, let's do a sound effect. I love doing sound effects with you guys. Are you ready? Three, two, one. Doot, doot, doot. That's the sound of the Brinks truck having to back up for the Brisbane Broncos to have to pay to keep Xavier Coates from leaving the club. Because that's what's going to have to happen. Because clubs will be coming for Xavier Coates. We we maybe should start calling him the X-Man. Professor Xavier. I don't know what we want to call him. But this guy is only going to get better. And he's already looking beyond dominant in the game right now. So... Number one, RTS. Number two, Xavier Coates. Those are your guns for the week. Now, outside the bubble, let's let's pivot. Let's pivot here. Let's do a no-look pass. Whoop, there we go. We're outside the bubble. 
It's a really tough time of year because we're kind of in that in-between phase where we're not at the NBA playoffs, we're not at the NHL playoffs, and you know how much I love my hockey. Don't talk about it on here enough. Need to change that. I apologize. I love you, Frozen. I love you, Frozen Pond. But uh, watch. Matter of fact, this your Shedadamus. That's one of the major things he did this last weekend. I watched uh, the play or the playing games for the Frozen Four. I didn't watch the playing games for the Final Four, even though some of them were on my big screen. But I had turned up to maximum volume my college hockey of the NCAA, and I watched from the beginning to the end the eight period Minnesota Duluth North Dakota match where being a guy that likes Minnesota Duluth being a guy that kind of likes North Dakota I've always liked North Dakota always like Minnesota Duluth but I'm more of a Duluth guy but by the end of it I didn't want either one of those two teams to lose I'm saying the game started at 7:35 on Saturday night and it didn't get over with to almost 1 a.m. it was incredible incredible the lovely misses in my, my, my life almost disowned me because I wouldn't leave the TV. And I promised to do a few things with her. And guess what? I dropped the ball. Yoshe Adamas couldn't pick this week, and he dropped the heart of a lovely woman in his life, the most important woman in his life. But we won't talk about that right now because I'm not going backwards, I'm going forward. But for the Frozen Four, which is not going to be this weekend because we've got the Final Four in basketball, and we, you know, everybody, you know, the NCA make as much money as possible. So we have a week off for the Frozen Four, but in the Frozen Four, we've got we've got Minnesota Duluth against UMass, and we've got St. Cloud State against Minnesota State. Minnesota State, the Mavericks, first time in the playoffs, and the first time in the Frozen Four. Congratulations, Mavericks, beating the Big Brother, beating the Minnesota Golden Gophers. That's right. Scoreboard, state. Scoreboard, Mavericks. So we've got that coming up, not this weekend, but next weekend. I, you see, I, I haven't talked enough uh, enough hockey. I got a little bit worked up there for a second. And that's me without a monster in my system right now. I'm needing caffeine so bad. And that's going to scare a lot of you that I'm not on caffeine right now. I'm not on caffeine right now. I need my caffeine. But I had to talk about a little bit of puck right there. But the big one that everyone's talking about, all the gamblers, everyone who really cares about bass sports in, in America, I don't want to say Canada because they understand the frozen pond, but the Final Four has been set for the NCAA basketball tournament. And we've got Gonzaga against the Cinderella UCLA. And isn't that funny to say Cinderella UCLA, the team that's won more national championships in college basketball than anybody but calling them a Cinderella right now? But they were in a number 11 seed. They were in a play-in game. And guess what? No plans anymore because they are taking on the big dogs. So you have the new blood, the new power in college basketball, the Gonzaga Bulldogs against the old guard, the UCLA Bruins, who almost didn't even make it in the tournament. And now, guess what? They get a chance at the guys, the unbeaten boys. The, 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 the team that's been number one almost all season long, the Gonzaga Bulldogs against... UCLA Bruins. That's right. And in the other semifinal, you've got an old school Southwest Conference battle. I just kind of thought about that. A lot of you have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. Well, the Southwest Conference was one of the big conferences uh, in college sports for a while. It was Arkansas, all the Texas big schools. um, And guess what? 
that's what we have right now. We have Baylor against Houston. Think about this. Three of these clubs that are in this are clubs that five years ago, ten years ago, no one would even have thought anything about. Saying Houston hadn't been into a Final Four since uh, Akeem Olajuwon was there. And, and look what we got now. We've got some teams that are now showing you we don't have any North Carolina clubs left in there, no Indiana clubs left in there. We've got Texas clubs in here. Baylor, Houston. These four clubs are going to have and they're going to put on a real show this weekend. I don't think we're going to have any blowouts. I know a lot of people have looked at Gonzaga has dominated their opponents. I'm saying a lot of people thought the USC was going to be the club that actually was going to push Gonzaga because of their length and their athletic ability that they have. And Gonzaga trumped them. Well, I shouldn't say trumped because that would mean that that, uh, that they kind of won. But anyway, Gonzaga dominated them. How about that? How about that? That's better. Uh, they dominate them. They beat the heck out of them. And, and USC's a good club. you know. But hats off to the Pac-12, the conference that no one gave any type of respect for having Oregon, Oregon State, uh, USC, UCLA, all playing basketball late into the tournament. So it's good to see. Hopefully this means the Pac-12 is about ready to have a resurgence. So maybe they can do something in college football this year. Since we'll be paying attention to college football a little bit more this year um, with the vaccine out. But great, great matches. I guess if I'm going to go on, I don't know. I don't pick basketball. Let's just say watch the basketball. It's going to be fun. And the last thing I want to really mention, I love to talk about really, really good streaks outside the bubble. And, and one came to an end uh, just yesterday. But Naomi Osaka, who a lot of people feel is the best player in, 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 in the WTA, best female tennis player in the world. I know I'm going to make some people mad because I'm talking to a lot of my brothers and sisters down to you, down under, down in Australia. And I know that Ash is your girl. Ash is that girl. I know Ash Barty. I know, I know. But Naomi Osaka, who won your tournament, by the way, my Aussie brothers and sisters, uh, she won your tournament, not Ash Barty. Um, but anyway, Osaka lost and had her 23-match winning streak snapped by Maria Sakari. And she didn't just lose to her. Sakari took her behind the woodshed. Sakari beat her 6-0, 6-4. And you just wonder if it was the pressure because if Osaka wins that match, the numbers I think are going to tally up that Osaka is going to be the number one player in the world next week and they're going to take it away from Ash Barty. And it's just funny how things like that can just get into players' heads and make them play a different type of match than they were probably going to play before. And that's, I think, what happened there. Sakari's a heck of a young player. You know, even though she walks around like she's getting ready to go to a lifting competition, she is a, a, a player that I think could be a player on the rise. I think we saw how she played against Osaka, even though Osaka did beat herself in a lot of ways, mentally, and the way that she did a few things. But I don't think that's going to stop the fact that, it, for female tennis, it just sometimes takes that one major victory for some of these girls to believe that they should be able to go toe-to-toe with the other girls. And I'm wondering if this Sakari victory is that motion. If that Sakari victory is going to be the thing that makes her go, I deserve and belong to be with these top players, and I don't deserve to be anywhere else. And if she's getting ready to make a major push up the rankings to get where she, I think she could definitely be at um, when it's all said and done. So it's going to be an interesting year 
besides COVID, uh, by every means, everyone, we know it's not gone, right? COVID is still here. Um, but it's going to be a little crazy to see what tournaments they can get in. But I don't think Sakari is going anywhere. But uh, Shedheads, that brings uh, us to a conclusion this week. That's right. Your Shed Adamas is leaving you. But that doesn't mean he doesn't love you. But that being said, make sure you catch the matches this week. Uh, I think we're getting three of them on TV. I know the weight game is on TV tonight. Um, but I don't know, and I think it's still a, a, a fluid situation on which games we're going to get here in the States because of the whole Jubilee uh, double header that's going to happen. So make sure you just pay attention on your on your boxes, on your guides to see which games are going to be able to be seen. We might even hear a little bit more about that tonight during the match um, between the Sea Eagles and the Panthers. But that being said, just watch the matches. That's all. And now watch Super League because Super League is on TV now on your Fox Soccer channel. So take that in. Bring a little bit of league to your life. Bring a little league to your life. But that being said, Shedheads, I am done. I'm leaving you. Like I always tell you, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. This has been Outside the Sheds. I'm Corey Jackson. Can't wait to talk to you next week. Have a great weekend. Happy Easter, everybody. Don't eat too many Reese's eggs. Don't. But until next time, see ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.